Hello and welcome to Bite Size Strategy, the podcast that provides you with less fluff and more stuff that you can actually use to grow your brand online. In every episode, we cut the banter, we get down to business, and we talk actionable tips and tricks for online marketing, copywriting, optimizing your website, and more. I'm your host, Ashley Kay, a web designer, digital strategist, and all-around nerd. If you would like to connect with me in between episodes, you can give me a follow on Instagram at Build It and Blossom or check out BuildItandBlossom.com for more. Hey guys, how's it going? I will tell you, it is a warm one here in LA today. I am already sweating my bones off and I have just started recording, so this should be a really fun episode for me. (laughs) My apartment retains heat on like a a crazy extreme level. So I had the AC on in the room before I started recording. It was on for about 20 minutes. I just wanted to kind of cool the place off. But the thing is, you know, I obviously can't have the AC on when I record because you would be so annoyed by the hum in the background. And because my apartment retains heat but does not retain cool, I swear to God, like the moment I shut the AC off, all of the cool air immediately seeped out. And we are just like right back to where we started like 20 minutes ago. So it is very hot in here. And you know, it's only gonna continue to get worse as we inch toward summer. So that's fun. (laughs) That's fun for me. I think I might have to figure out a different kind of recording space. I record in my closet because it is the quietest place in the house. Apparently, it is also one of the warmest in the house, so I'm going to have to figure something else out, but that's on me. That's not for you to worry about. Other than that, happy spring. Yes, we just had our first day of spring over the weekend. I wanted to address that because that's exciting. If you're in the southern hemisphere, I guess I should be saying happy fall. I wish it was fall here, honestly, because it would be a little bit cooler, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I'm sweating my buns off. That's all you need to know. And you don't even really need to know that because that's kind of gross, but whatever. Let's get into our topic for today. And we are actually, I didn't, I didn't mean for this to be a series, but it kind of has been. We are kind of continuing our online selling series. So in episode 18, I've really gone out of order. If I had known it was going to be a a bit of a series, I would have put them in a different order because on episode 18, we talk about customer support and customer service and how you can rock that. And then on episode 19, we talk about setting your customers up for success, even when you have limited resources yourself to do so. And then on episode 20, what we're going to address is just some changes to selling online how COVID and the pandemic has really progressed and driven forward the whole world of e-commerce and selling online. And I want to give you some ideas of some new things to try if you sell online, but you feel a little bit like your sales are stagnant or there's just something else you need to be doing. So if you're a solopreneur or a small business owner and you are selling online, I wouldn't be surprised if you're a little bit overwhelmed because there is a lot to take care of, right? There's a lot to keep up with. The world is rapidly changing. E-commerce and selling online is rapidly changing. And it can just really be a lot. So I wanted to address some ways that this whole world has been changing in the past few years. 
And the reason I'm bringing this up now is I had a client come to me recently. She's been selling online for at least half a decade, I would say. And she just kind of brought up to me that she felt like she'd kind of peaked and that her sales these days were really stagnant and that she was just kind of scraping by. She hasn't really been growing. Well, I think one of the issues is when you've been doing anything for a relatively long period of time. And, you know, if you've been online for over half a decade selling, that's kind of a long time, right? And it doesn't just have to be online. If you've been doing anything for a long period of time and you found success with doing that in that way at one point in time, You just don't really understand why it's no longer working as well as it should. It's kind of like if you're trying to lose weight and you hit that plateau, right? So like you could be going like gangbusters, you're losing weight, you're watching the pounds roll off, you lose five pounds, you lose 10 pounds, you lose maybe even 15 pounds, no problem. And then all of a sudden your weight loss just kind of stops, even though you haven't changed anything that you're doing. And I don't know why your body hits a plateau with weight loss. If I knew, I wouldn't be stuck at the same weight that I was back in November, plus a few pounds, but whatever. And it is kind of the same concept with doing business and selling online. It's frustrating because you've been doing the same stuff that you've been doing that has been working and now it's not anymore or it's not working as well. And there's no logical reason for it not to work because if it's been working all along, why wouldn't it keep working? You know what I mean? But the fact is that things change, especially online, especially in the world of trying to make money online. And we saw a lot of very rapid change, very global change to this industry with the COVID-19 pandemic. So you have to adapt because you really have no choice. Sometimes you got to shake things up to see results. You have to think outside the box and outside the realm of what you have been doing, okay? It seems scary. It seems overwhelming at first. But if you don't adapt, what's going to happen is you fall behind the times and a competitor is sure to take your place. Sad, but probably true. The good news is it's not like you have to ditch what you've been doing for the past five, ten years or whatever, however long you've been in business and you've been successful. You don't have to ditch what you've been doing completely. You just have to change things up a little bit. That's why I said you got to shake things up, you know, breathe a little bit of new life into what you're doing and just see what happens. Okay. So if you've listened to some of the episodes of Bite Size Strategy in the past, you may remember me referencing the Nielsen Norman Group. Nielsen Norman Group is a user experience research firm. They have been around since the mid-90s. They are cool people and their studies are really unparalleled. They help provide great insight. They really guide how we can do things online better. So the Nielsen Norman Group, they recently put out an article based on some findings that were uncovered when they were working on a large international research project regarding how people shop online in today's world. E-commerce websites are websites where you can make a purchase electronically rather than via a brick and mortar shop. And back in the day, they used to, for lack of a better term, really suck. 
And Nielsen Norman Group did a study of them back in the day, like back in 2000, 2001. And what they found back then is that users failed about 50% of the time when they tried to shop on e-commerce websites. Again, this is back in 2000, 2001. So kind of like the early days of the internet, but not too early because the internet had been around for some time at this point. So anyway, like around 2000, 2001, half of the time when a user tried to make a purchase on an e-commerce website, on a website specifically designed to sell products electronically, they failed. That's crazy, right? Well, of course, things have changed these days. You know, e-commerce took off and they're working a whole lot better than they used to. I would say in my personal experience since the early 2010s, it's been relatively easy-ish for a small business to get their products or services up online and sell them. But it's getting way, way easier than it was even like 10 years ago or even five years ago. And the whole COVID-19 pandemic really pushed shopping online forward. So today, simply being able to make a purchase via a website isn't everything like it used to be. You know what I mean? Consumers aren't satisfied with just being able to make a purchase online anymore. In today's world, they are looking for an excellent shopping experience where questions are answered and help is available to support them during the decision-making process. So brands that are the most successful selling to people online are ones that understand the shopping experience for customers extends beyond just the website checkout. It is no longer enough to just have a cart on your website. Brands that are succeeding design the entire shopping journey from discovery through delivery and beyond. That's kind of what we addressed in the past two episodes of Bite Size Strategy. If you've been listening, we discuss what goes on post-purchase. So today, I thought it would be fun to go through some of the new things that successful e-commerce brands and websites are bringing to the table these days. If you're selling anything online, whether it's a product or a service, you may want to listen up here, grab some ideas, grab some inspiration to up-level the online shopping experience that you give your customer. And this episode is what I like to call a food for thought episode. So keep an open mind here because not all of the things that we discuss here are going to apply to you 100%, but they may inspire some new ideas. You may be able to take a concept that we discuss here and turn it into your own thing. And the whole like food for thought thing, like that kind of fits with the name bite size strategy, right? Right. I thought it was cute, okay? So let's dive right in. The first thing that I want to talk about here is payment flexibility and financing. Now, unless you don't shop online at all, you have probably heard of the likes of Afterpay, Affirm, or Klarna. They are on practically every major retailer website I visit these days. They've always got one of those options available to customers. And these platforms essentially offer a buy now, pay later option to shoppers. So instead of, for example, paying $1,000 for something upfront all at once, you have the option to make 12 payments of $83.33. 
This can help businesses acquire new customers and make new sales. And I'm not going to offer a personal opinion on if one of these options is good to add to your business because I don't really have an opinion. You know, it's different for every situation. It may work for you. It may not. But I will say I have consulted on and added options like Afterpay to several of my clients' websites at their request. Now, if you want to offer flexibility when it comes to payments, but you don't want to go through one of these platforms, well, more and more payment processors are making it easier than ever before to split payments up into partial payments. And of course, there's also more and more opportunity and options to set up subscription-based products, which make it more feasible to customers to access your stuff. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a second. And then there is also sliding scale type of payments. And these I'm seeing become more prominent, especially in the health and wellness fields. So I'm seeing more and more brands offer maybe three payment options, right? So for example, you have an $800 option, you have a $1,200 option, and $1,500 option. And you're able to pay what you feel comfortable with. They let you choose. Now, usually the higher priced options, maybe they include a few extra bonuses or something like that. I've started to notice that too. And this probably isn't going to work for like traditional retail businesses, but it can be useful for others to offer sliding scale type of payment plans. All right, you guys, I hope you can still hear me as well as you could a minute ago. I had to shift in my beanbag chair, so I'm a little farther away from the mic. Anyway, the next thing I want to talk about, the next kind of trend that we're seeing in this COVID-19 pandemic or post-pandemic world is delivery and pickup. So curbside pickup was barely a thing before COVID, right? We never used to see that, but now we see it quite a bit. And I don't know if you guys like Target, but Target is a great example. They offer curbside pickup. I actually haven't tried it, but I know a lot of people who have. (laughs) And as a consumer, curbside pickup can be super convenient. But from a like business logistics standpoint, it can honestly be a bit of a nightmare. So it's important to make sure the process is as smooth and seamless as possible, both for like your business behind the scene, as well as for customers. So customers need to be properly informed of how it all works, right? It's always a good idea. So in my work in the past few years, I have had more clients doing pop-up style pickups and also more local deliveries and properly informing customers before they start shopping is really crucial, right? They need to know what options are available to them. If you offer delivery, they need to know what your delivery range is. So it's no fun if you're the customer and you pick out all of your items and you start the checkout process and you're so excited for this thing that you're gonna have delivered and then you find out that delivery is not available to your part of the city. That is not good. So if you're the business in that case, you need to convey that information to the customer before they get to that point. Otherwise, you're going to lose them. They're going to get annoyed. Also, being able to put a limit on the quantity of available pickups slash deliveries is crucial. Most businesses, small and large, you know, there are only so many resources that are available 
capacities are limited. So it's really key to be able to make sure you don't overextend yourself and have like 20 deliveries, but you only have the capacity to make 10 of them, right? So for small businesses, delivery and or curbside pickup can be rewarding, but just don't go into it half committed. Offering this, it seems really simple, but it's honestly a huge undertaking. It's a big project. There's lots of stuff to coordinate. And it's something that major retailers are still struggling to streamline themselves. So if you're a small business and you're going to offer this, start small, keep it simple and just grow from there. And of course, it's only doable if you have something that you're selling or delivering locally. So this may not be an option for too many of you, but for some, could be a good idea. Now we're going to go back to something that I mentioned a few minutes ago, the subscription thing or recurring orders. According to Nielsen Norman Group's article, recurring orders are another thing that we have seen an uptick in since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. This is basically a subscription. So for example, I have a recurring order or subscription for ground coffee through Amazon. So around the 25th of every month, I get a little knock on my door and I get a package from Amazon right at my doorstep. It contains a two pound tub of my favorite Folgers coffee grounds. And yes, I know that beans that you grind, they taste way fresher than pre-ground coffee, but I also know that I have limits and I know what's in my wheelhouse and I know that I'm lazy. So grinding coffee beans every morning for my cup of coffee is not going to happen. So it's pre-ground Folgers for this girl. But anyway, because I have this recurring order through Amazon for this, it is all automated. I don't have to think about it at all. My card gets charged automatically and like magic, this two pound tub of coffee shows up at my doorstep on the 25th. It's really handy. I also have one for hand soap. <laughs> so I think like food and kind of like these household essentials are the areas where recurring orders make a lot of sense. But if you're selling something in another area, like most of us are, I challenge you to start thinking about how you could offer a subscription or recurring order to your target audience and then like what that would look like, how that works for your business. Some examples that I have seen recently from my small business clients, I have had florists start to offer monthly floral subscriptions. I've also had yoga teachers and fitness instructors start to offer subscription-based video library, which contains a bunch of different classes. There's a lot of opportunity here and different types of subscriptions that you can offer. Now, the last thing that we're going to talk about today is video, and this is kind of a two-part thing, okay? So Nielsen Norman Group lists videos as nice to have on product pages for your website. And videos can work overtime because you can also share them to platforms like Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Now, video in general is growing in popularity. It's more accessible than ever before. And if you haven't started to create videos for your brand yet, I definitely recommend looking into it this year, okay? Videos can help answer questions that your target audience may have about your product or service. And on your website in particular, remember that video should work together with the text on the page. So video should not replace text altogether. 
it's important to add some context to have the video working with the text rather than having just the video. It's all important, okay? So short videos that loop and show a product in motion, in use, these are growing in popularity more than ever before too. So the long promo-y advertising style videos they aren't so popular on product pages. I think you're going to find that short ones work a lot better. Maybe the longer video works, but just in a different location. And then somewhat related to video is the whole like virtual try-on or augmented reality. I don't know if you've seen these before. I know Target has one or they did at some point where you could like see the furniture in your space, like in your apartment or house. And then I also know Bon Look. I think that's how it's pronounced. It's where I buy my eyeglasses online. They have a virtual try-on so you can see the glasses like on your face <laughs> before you buy them, which is really helpful. And these sorts of tools are becoming more popular, but the technology still isn't there a lot of the time. So a lot of the tools like this are buggy and thus they are kind of more annoying in a lot of cases. Not every case, but in a lot of cases they're more annoying than they are helpful. So until the tech catches up a bit here, for most small businesses, I would recommend avoiding any augmented reality tool right now. If like Target and the likes can't get it 110% right right now, then it's probably not smart for us to try it either, right? You know, we just got to wait a little bit till that tech catches up. That's just reality. And then adding to our discussion and ending our discussion on video, we have live stream selling. Have you heard of this term before? It's pretty new. It is most popular in China, actually, but it's definitely catching on in other parts of the world, too. So live stream selling is essentially when one goes live, usually on an app like Instagram or TikTok. And then you showcase products that the viewer can purchase right away, usually through the app without having to leave the stream. It's kind of like a modern day QVC, only it's a little bit more interactive because, of course, on a live, people can leave comments and the person who's recording the live can read those comments and respond to them in real time. You could never do that with QVC, you know? So live stream selling is kind of like shopping meets entertainment, and I think that's one of the reasons why it has found so much success in the past couple of years. With so many of us stuck at home, new ways to entertain really caught on, and live stream selling just seems to be one of those things that really worked well. So Amazon actually has its own platform for this called Amazon Live. I've got to admit, this is the only platform that I've really ever watched a live stream selling video on. So I watched a social media influencer showcase and model different clothes that Amazon has available for sale. And during this live stream, she tried on like different sweaters and fall fashion. She answered questions about the product that people had and then also chatted with the viewers who were watching. And of course, there was like the opportunity to like buy the clothes right there, like linked like under the video. And if you did that, if you bought them, of course, the influencer who was recording the video got a little bit of a kickback from Amazon. So live stream selling isn't for everyone. And if your following isn't huge right now, you may not have the most success with it because it's a numbers game, right? 
I mean, pretty much everything with selling online is a numbers game, but especially I think with live stream selling, because the more people that follow you and engage with you, the more likely your live streams have of being successful. So in general, conversion rates for live stream selling videos, these are typically higher than traditional e-commerce conversion rates. Some companies claim they have a 30% conversion rate for live streams, which is really high by the way. So that would be three in 10 people watching make a purchase. So of course, like if you have a huge following, that is amazing because if a thousand people are watching your live stream and 30% of them make a purchase, that means that you have converted 300 people. And if the average purchase price is $50, well then with that live stream, you generated $15,000. That sounds like a success to me, you know what I mean? <laughs> but if your numbers are smaller, it may not make much sense to put a lot of time and effort into live stream selling. There may be another area that you can focus on more right now. And of course, live stream selling may be difficult to do depending on what you're actually selling. So I'm not saying it's completely impossible to do like a live stream selling if you sell a service, but it is more geared toward products that you can buy. I think you could adapt it to kind of sell a service, but traditionally it's more for products, okay? So if you do try live stream selling, I want to warn you to be careful. <laughs> Don't abuse it because people can certainly become annoyed if it seems like you're selling to them all the time, you know? Like if you're doing this on Instagram, make sure that your live stream selling videos aren't like the only type of content that you're posting. People are going to catch on to that and you're not going to have the most success. All right, you guys, that's a wrap of our discussion. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope it gave you some food for thought and some ideas and some inspiration for some things to try online this year. I know it can feel really overwhelming, like the world is changing so quickly and it's so hard to keep up. At least, honestly, like that's how I kind of felt when I was doing research for this episode. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I didn't realize it, but there have really been a lot of changes. So if you're like, oh man, like I haven't even mastered Instagram reels and I just got on TikTok, how the H-E double hockey sticks am I supposed to figure out live stream selling? Like that's beyond me. Well, remember, there's no single right way to do this. And also, like if you simplify what we talked about here and you don't get too wrapped up in the details and the flashy like, oh, this is trendy here in 2022, if you don't get sucked into that and you kind of just simplify it all, I think it's a lot more manageable because at the end of the day, it's really not some new alien technology that we have to figure out. We've seen a lot of this before, just in different formats. So live stream selling is essentially QVC but for a new era. Delivery and pickup is not a new concept. It's just adding a new component now where customers can configure their delivery and pickup online. And financing and payment plans, I mean, those have been around forever too. Now you just have the opportunity to more easily offer them to your customers. So when you break it down like that and you kind of change your perspective on it, it's not as scary. I hope this episode was helpful. If you liked it, I would love it if you subscribe to the Bite Size Strategy podcast on your favorite platform. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, 
and iHeartRadio. And you can also check out the website, builditandblossom.com. I put written transcripts or show notes or write-ups, whatever you want to call them. So if you ever miss an episode or you have to dip out halfway when you're listening, you can just go to the website and you can browse and read through what you missed. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week. Bye.